Listening Dog Media. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. Joining you this week alongside me, it's the Premier League's finest reporter. Again, I've given her the accolade. Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> You've got to come up with something else soon. Oh, well, I can't. I just can't get to the Just don't go the with the worst. That would be great. <laughs> uh, speaking of the finer things in life, it's Sky Sports News' finest too. Hayley McQueen. Welcome, Hayley. Oh, thanks. It's a good <laughs> job none of my colleagues listen to the podcast because I'm sure that, I, I mean, I'm guessing they don't because if they did, they might have something to say about this. The well, world's best well Sky Sports listen. News. Yeah. Event, you know? I don't. I, I challenge it. anyone to disagree with me. Um, mm. Just a quick one. We are recording remotely as we have been mm-hmm. since last March, nearly nearly mm-hmm. a year at home. I had a bit mm-hmm. of a dilemma today about whether to take my pyjamas off before recording or not. And I oh, have God, taken them no. off oh. out of respect to you two because I, just, I felt wrong doing it in my pyjamas and I wondered... Where the, where the line is for you two in terms of respectability. <laughs> Only today. Only today. But I, I'm dressed, but I'm yet to brush my teeth. Oh, so I brush my teeth. And put <laughs> I'm going to do them next. I put on fresh pyjama bottoms. Well, they're not pyjama bottoms. They are around the house loungewear Lounge, but but my loungewear everything's merging into one at the moment but because I had to drop the little one off at the nursery I did go for the change of bottom half I'm still in my pyjama top I've not brushed my hair but I did brush my teeth Lindsay <laughs> well that's interesting so there is a level of care I'm, I'm kind of harking back to March when we would get dressed and do our hair and makeup for these podcasts. We did. And I feel that we've Aww. sort of slid down yeah. a not too bad descent, actually, into feeling very comfortable with our setups, no longer having kind of a visual link to each other. So um, yesterday, midway through the week, I was thinking, oh, I've got something to do online. Actually, I did a, a one-on-one with uh, Jose Mourinho and I was thinking I better put some makeup on, but I couldn't find my makeup bag and it was in my rucksack from the weekend. 
So that's oh. how little I've been using. <laughs> what's, the, wow. what's the most casual you've been for interviewing a big name football star, Lindsay? Like I'd, I'd like to think that you've interviewed a player with maybe like oh. not, I don't know, a fresh pair of socks on or maybe the pyjama bottoms still on. Oh, well, yesterday with Jose, my bottom down, I had oh. like Hayley, the loungewear on. <laughs> But he just wouldn't have known because it was from the top ups. So. I like the fact that there are reporters all over the country interviewing people having not had a shower yet as well, mm-hmm. otherwise known mm-hmm. as the dirty interview. Uh, and no one's got any idea. Uh, Lindsay, briefly as well, you did a lovely thing on Sunday. Tell us what happened at Brighton. I did. I went down to the Amex to do some filming. We're looking at the ways that football in general has helped out during the pandemic but of course my remit is often to do with the Premier League and there's so many great stories you'll have seen recently you know food packages being delivered and the phone calls that clubs have made to their supporters to try and keep them company and what Brighton have done is they've opened up the Amex at the weekends for St John Ambulance to go in and train up all the vaccinators so I went to go and get some picture of that and speak to someone at St John Ambulance and then I'm speaking to the to the chief executive Paul Barber um tomorrow so yeah it's it's going to be a really nice hopefully feel good piece marking Aww. the year to show the good that's been done because I, yeah. I mean we don't want to just focus on on the awful figures and the death figures I think we also need I think we really need this right now is to pull each other up and say look there is positive things that have come out of it yeah Absolutely. I spoke to Ashton Gate um and, and in fact I've spoken to them a couple of times home of Bristol City and um at the rugby club there as well and they've been a mass vaccination centre and they've been able to have games on whilst the vaccinations are going on too and I said that mm. just evokes a lovely picture you know sort of walking along to get your vaccination hearing probably hearing a lot of what's going on on the pitch because the noise is traveling so much without Mm. any fans there but I thought that was lovely and she's and the lady I spoke to a couple of nights ago just said basically it sort of fills the stadium with this feel-good excitement so a bit like on match day stadiums fill with the aura of excitement don't they you feel it whenever you walk into a stadium or um, whenever you take your seat beside the pitch and and it's a bit like that a small bit like that with the vaccinations going on as well it just injects lots of goodwill and lots of lots of good feeling I suppose into the place they've been doing it at Watford actually so I don't know if this yeah. is what you were yeah. going to mention and not only have they opened up Vicarage Road um, for people to be vaccinated like a lot of stadiums have um, Ellen Road as well we just featured on Sky the other yeah, day the Etihad, but yeah. yeah but they've actually also opened up their hospitality suites so that hospital staff can go and have their lunch in the stadium and they're providing free food for NHS workers which not hot food because they're not able to do that but sandwiches fruit fresh snacks, um, drinks, everything. If you're a key worker is completely free. You can take yourself away from the hospital because apparently there, I mean, you know what it's like when you go into a hospital, uh, the facilities are not the best, are they? And that's just us visiting patients, but the staff themselves have to use the same facilities as the general public and have to queue up and try and get a coffee. And and one lady had, had broken down. She'd worked a 14-hour day and all she wanted was a cup of tea. And she queued for half an hour and her break was basically nearly over. And it was somebody from Watford Football Club who decided that enough was enough. They spoke with the staff at um, Vicarage Road 
and at the hospital and they came together and made sure that this happened. They've been doing it every day for quite some time now and they're basically going to continue to do it for as long as they possibly can. So well done them. Well, well, well done the football clubs. All right, well, listen, I'm going to truck on with the show if that's okay. Coming up this week, uh, we are putting our spin on some familiar sporting phrases and this week heading around the football darts board. So that's right. Thanks to some inspiration from Lindsay. We're going to be looking at the single, double and trebles in football. This was another one of your amazing ideas, Lindsay, probably cooked up on the toilet or whilst you're driving (laughs) or somewhere. bit like that. You thought, I know, Mm -hmm. I know what to Mm -hmm. do this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll often get a message either very early or very late with one of Lindsay's ingenious ideas. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not, Linz, but most of the time they are good. Uh, So this week, think debuts, cup wins and hat-tricks for the show. Okay, topic one, we're going with the singles. Let's start with those. Some of the firsts in football. I'll wade in quickly with one of mine because it happened last night, Wednesday night. Manchester City becoming the first team in top flight history to win their opening 10 matches in a calendar year. They've surpassed the record held for nine games. That was United, Manchester United and Bolton who held that record. So uh, perhaps an even nicer achievement for City. Uh, Pep Guardiola was asked about it, actually, and he said... That's nice. Uh, But football doesn't wait. Tonight we celebrate and tomorrow we think about Arsenal. So he was brushing it off. But a nice touch from Manchester City last night. Um, And I'm saying that through slightly gritted teeth as a Liverpool fan. But fair play to them. They are on an incredible run, that's for sure. Well, on the theme of Manchester City, I would like to propose Ilkay Gundogan because he he's won his Player of the Month award for the first time in his career. That's really hard to believe because you're going back mm, predating yeah. Manchester City. He's never had a Player of the Month in any respective league. So um, in absolutely brilliant form, unfortunately had a, a bit of a, an injury. So he was rested uh, midweek. But yeah, Ilkay Gundogan, I'd like to give a mention to. Um, and also very current because I was at Burnley's 3-0 win over Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park and if you watch the highlights you'd have seen Matt Loughton um, score a really tremendous volley now for a defender it isn't the first time a volley's happened but it is his first Premier League goal for Burnley so that was a first that I saw with my very own eyes Okay, so we're sticking to this season and fairly recent if possible Hayley what have you got for us? Right, this is a game all about firsts. Fulham's first win of 2021. Finally, they did it. And who'd have thought they would have beaten Everton? And Mm -hmm. actually, it was also Fulham's first league win at Everton in their history. And there was a first goal in his first game for Fulham, Josh Maggio. What a debut. Um, in fact, he got two, didn't he? He yeah, was he did. linked with Rangers. I remember him a little while back. Rangers would have absolutely loved to have snapped him up. And I think what a find for Fulham. I think he's definitely going to help them. Uh, yes, maybe not help them from avoiding the drop, but help them get some goals, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it was a 12-match run without a win. Finally, they got the 2-0 victory. He got a double, so we could have him in our next topic of doubles, but I'm keeping him for firsts. <laughs> and yes, it was a game that I didn't think promised too much for Fulham. Uh, it was a game that I was watching out of the corner of my eye whilst on air at Sky. And yeah, 
well done, Scott Parker and Josh Madger, for just injecting a little bit of life into the side. And I've got well, one if- like that, Hayley, where you could have it for another topic coming mm-hmm. on to trebles, mm-hmm. but we'll put it in first because it is his first. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's first hat-trick for Arsenal against Leeds United. Really Hard to think that someone so prolific as him hadn't scored a hat-trick for the Gunners, but he has now. Well, in January this year, I'll give you a first slightly lower down the leagues. Newport County earned a one-all draw against Cheltenham Town. Uh, pretty usual as scorelines go, but what was unusual about it? Well, it was the first time a certain distance had been exceeded in the longest goal competition. Okay, so goalkeeper Tom King for Newport County did something really special in this game. So he broke the record for the longest goal scored in a competitive football match. His epic downfield kick covered an incredible distance of 96.01 metres booting the ball from his own six-yard box. It was picked up by the wind and soared into the net just out of opposition goalkeeper Joshua Griffiths' reach. That happened in January. So a brilliant first ahead over 96 metres. There we go. Mm. Mm. Well, the, the rearranging of the, the the football season and the calendar, meaning we had games in months that we've never had before, um, means that William is now the first to score a Premier League goal in every month of the year. No the way. First and the only. Yes. And what about this for a first? We've mentioned him on many podcasts. Erling Haaland, my goodness, the first player to reach double figures in his first 13 Champions League appearances. That's right. He has now scored 18 goals in 13 Champions League games. To put that into context, how many do you think Ronaldo and Messi had scored after their first 13 games in the Champions League? Oh, their first. I mean, I I do have Ronaldo coming up later for a double. It does connect to the Champions League, but it's not this topic. Um, Ronaldo and Messi, their first, oh, I would go with, gosh, 10 goals? Do you know what? No, neither had reached double fix. In fact, Ronaldo didn't score in his first 13 Champions League games. I was really shocked at that. Yeah. And Messi, just three goals in his first 13. So it took him a little bit of a while to get Mm. used to Europe. Um, To put this into context as well, the next is um, Raul with eight, Lewandowski with six. You've got Karen Benzema as well with eight. So he's, yeah, Haaland at the tender age of how old is he now? Is he 20 years old? Goodness me. I mean, 20 years old and he's already scored 10 more goals than these legends in the Champions League in his first 13. A bit of a changing of the guard as well. I'm sure we've got Mbappe to mention a bit later, but it's like Mbappe and Haaland are the new Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Maybe that is the changing of the guard. Mm. And talking about single moments from this season that will be hard to duplicate, take your mind back to Liverpool, first ever reigning champions to concede seven goals in a match since (laughs) Arsenal against Sunderland in 1953. Three well page. done, Lynn. Well done. Uh, first time in history. Um, but then you've got to add as well, it was the first time that Liverpool and Manchester United let in six plus goals on the same day. Oh, okay. okay. What is this, by the way? I do have payback <laughs> later for you, so do not, do not worry. The Champions League is back and to be fair, so is the Europa League Man United fans, which means there's no better time to sign up for all the unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Right now, new subscribers can get a half-price annual subscription that works out less than £1 a week for an entire year. All you have to do is head to theathletic.com slash offside. But hurry, you've only got until the 25th of February. That's theathletic.com slash offside. 
All right, now as it's half term, we thought we'd take a bit of a break from homeschooling and boy, do we all need it. Although it's meant that my children are pretty much on the iPads for 12 hours a day. But anyway, uh, so we're going to move on to doubles in this week's show. Teams that have done famous doubles or teams that we think might do a double or maybe a maybe braces we can talk about as well. So uh, everything concerning doubles, please. Hayley, you get us started. I think mine are all a bit tediously linked. Now, as for doubles, only eight teams have actually won the official double. The official double in England. Oh, I'm is, with you on this. I'm a yeah, bit of a traditionalist. Yeah, yeah. same, yeah, same yeah. here is winning the Premier League and an elite cup competition, which is the FA Cup. So that would be a double. Yes, the Premier League and Champions League is a is a double, but it's not the domestic double as we oh, know it. Gosh, okay? okay. Arsenal, the only team to have won a double in three different decades. Okay. okay. They managed it before it was the Premier League and twice since the current format, since, of course, the English top flight was created. The second, Man United are the most dominant team of the 1990s. Remember that? Yes, of course. I grew up um, absolutely adoring them in the 90s and was in love with half of the team. Um, they only managed to win the double three times during that era. And you'd think mm. as a team that dominated in the 90s, they should have done better. Equally, were probably the best team in England during the 80s. OK, Liverpool. Um, they won the title seven times between 1980 and 90, but they were only able to win the double once and have actually failed to win it since. There you go. Interesting mm. that both Chelsea and Man City... It does I depend mean, how you define the double, though. Can I just weigh in with that one? Okay. 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 But what what are the teams? Obviously, I've mentioned Man City. We know United. We know Liverpool. We know Arsenal. We know Chelsea. Who are the other two to have won the domestic double? Very, very early on, Preston North End did, yes, didn't they? Yes, the yeah. first. Yes, correct. And then the other one. Oh. I should have said Tottenham in there as well, but it's, it's the two that are remaining. So domestic double. It. Was it Villa? It was Villa, yeah. Oh, you with, the, with, with the quiz knowledge. I know. And it looks like you've obviously got Manchester City who look like it, a double is on again for them or even a treble as well because they obviously they're going to be playing Spurs in the other cup competition mm. and Everton in the cup as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in terms of predictions, Manchester City might be on for a double, which is quite surprising if you take us back just a few months ago or even just a few weeks ago when it didn't look like that at all and unfortunately as a Manchester United fan sitting there looking at the table feeling a bit sick about it all to be honest <laughs> going with your logic Hayley that the double is winning the domestic league and a cup win combined and if we take that around Europe the team so that has you done just, by the way dissing anyone who's won like a Champions League title and a Premier League title. No, well, when we come on to trebles, I start looking at Champions League because that like, that's what oh, I think right. okay. the, the order of things is. Right. Okay. Um, that's when you start to introduce Europe, I think. Okay. Um, and and then those combos of people, you know, there are teams that have won the the League Cup and the FA Cup. And I think FA Chelsea Cup, did yes. that, but. Yeah, I I think the proper traditionalist in us for the the true double it's the league title because the league is obviously so much more difficult to win than a one-off competition and combine with a domestic trophy. So if we take that around Europe, who are the team that have won the most? It's a team that's really obscure actually. We're going to Northern Ireland and it's Linfield oh. who have won the double 24 times. Oh, Goodness me. Wow. 
I was going to bring Liverpool into this topic of doubles, but their trophy doubles don't count as far as you two are concerned. So I'll scrap that one. Instead, I will deliver on my promise of speaking about Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, in 2018, playing for Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo set a new Champions League record by scoring in 10 consecutive games. So far, there's no double mentioned there. But check this out for the number of doubles in the conversation. Okay, so Ronaldo's streak began with a brace, a double, against Juventus in the season before's final, before two more doubles in the 2018 group stage, helped Madrid beat Apoel and Borussia Dortmund. Then he scored twice in two meetings with Tottenham and added five more to his tally in the return fixtures against Apoel and Dortmund. His three goals in two knockout games against PSG were then key to the holders' progress to the last four. So littered with doubles and twos mm. in that conversation as we talk about Cristiano Ronaldo setting the new Champions <laughs> League record in 2018 by scoring if, in if 10 we were doing home, games. If we were doing homeschooling, that would feel like a really complicated maths yeah. question that you've yes. got to get right. How many but doubles did Cristiano... He, he basically did a load of doubles in getting to, these, mm. uh, to, this, uh, to this fantastic record. Uh, there we go. Moving Look, on to another one of you. Who's got what next? Well, the other way that you can view a double is doing the league double over someone in a season. And I was thinking about this. Who is the who's the best manager that's probably got the best record that not many people have managed to do the double across them? And of course, that would be Pep Guardiola since his arrival. Only three managers have managed to do the double over Pep. Do you know which ones? Hayley, you should know one. United. Yes, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that was the last time. Ole. It was only 2019-20. Um, and that was, you, you had that Edison Poor back pass, didn't you, in the in the second match, McTominay thumping in a, a shot from 40 yards. So it was Man City 1, Man United 2. The first leg, Man United 2, Man City 0 in the second. Can I get a whoop, whoop? <laughs> whoop, whoop. And in that same season, I would be grinning from ear to ear having to mention this one. There was a certain Adama Traore that scored two Wolves. at the Etihad. Yeah, mm. Nuno Espirito Santo, the other and then it was Matt Doherty with the late winner in a 3-2 game at Molyneux I was at both of those matches fantastic to see and then Antonio Conte was the furthest and the first furthest one back Chelsea in 2016-17 Eden Hazard pretty much played the key part in both of these games Man City 1 Chelsea 3 Chelsea 2 Man City 1 in the other legs so those are the three managers Conte um, Espirito Santo and Solskjaer all have done the league double over Pep I see. I want to talk about players and double figures, okay? Players that have reached, and this is from the sort of um, top five leagues of Europe's elite. So you've got the Premier League, Serie A, you go to Spain and Germany. Um, and we have quite a few Premier League players who have double figures for not just scoring goals, but assisting them. Now, Hyunmin Song of Tottenham has scored nearly a goal per game in Spurs' Champions League run, but in the league, 11 goals and 10 assists. Serge Gnabry of Bayern Munich, 12 goals and 10 assists. And this is, goodness me, a fourth straight double-digit goal season across three Bundesliga clubs since leaving Arsenal. There you go. Um, Mo Salah is another player, 19 goals and 10 assists. So second in the Premier League 
um, in expected goals. He had 10 goals and three assists in a 14-match run. And that went from December through to March. He was absolutely banging in the goals. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, he was the Premier League's player of the season, of course, for Manchester City, going back 13 goals and 20 assists. So he has the most uh, assists of players playing in the Premier League. Messi has the most, of course. Um, he had a record-breaking season, 25 goals, 21 assists. But going back to Kevin De Bruyne, he could have broken Thierry Henry's single-season record, uh, didn't quite manage it. That's 10.5 more than runner-up Trent Alexander-Arnold. And that is with assists, okay? So the expected assist is 20.62. Bit of maths in here. Um, but yeah, Trent Alexander-Arnold with the assist um the top of the assist table, but Kevin De Bruyne has the goals and assists. I just wanted to make it as absolutely complicated as possible. Is for everyone you both. still? Uh, is everyone still, still with us? Still with me? <laughs> I don't know smoke, smoke coming out of people's ears by now. Yeah. Um, right, I'll try and make this more basic <laughs> then for the next one. So I was trying to find, ladies, the most doubles or braces scored in one game of a professional game of football in the UK. And and I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole. So I'll just give you my findings. And if anyone listening would like to beat these or give me some alternatives, please get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod. So the most number of doubles scored in a professional game in the UK, um, the one I've gone for, which could be the case, don't know, uh, is the Rangers side of 1967. They defeated Wraith Rovers 10-2. But in that game, a certain... Alex Ferguson bagged a hat-trick, so he had a double in there. Willie Ooh. Johnson, Orjan Person and John Grieg all notched doubles for the Jers as well. So technically, four braces. I know Fergie's went on to be a hat-trick, but four braces in that mm. game was the most I could find. What about the Premier League? Uh, well, you've got to go to the Christmas cracker of a game in 2012. Arsenal 7, Newcastle 3. And in this case, there were three doubles scored between both teams. Theo Walcott went on to do a hat-trick but was a double first of all and Olivier Giroud for Arsenal and for Newcastle Denver Bar got a brace that's as far as I got if you can correct me do get in touch alright should we get stuck into those trebles then that's next All right, so completing our darts board for the final topic this week, trebles or triples or threes. Uh, there aren't many teams or players that have been able to achieve the immortal status in football of winning a treble, are there, or scoring an unforgettable hat-trick. Hat-tricks are more common, of course. Uh, we could talk about Michael Owen in Munich in terms of unforgettable ones, or Obama Yang just this week. Kylian Mbappe, we've already mentioned as well, scored a hat-trick uh, for PSG to, well, completely thrash Barcelona 4-1 in their game in the round of 16 in the Champions League. Uh, amazing, really, when you think that all the news about Mbappe beforehand was him wanting to leave PSG at the soonest moment for 174 million odd quid. But for now, yes, my treble, my my three goes to one of the most recent cases, Kylian Mbappe. I mean, it was quite incredible, wasn't it? Mbappe outshining Messi with his treble uh, and not against any old team either. It was, mm. I mean, you think, okay, you scored a hat-trick. Who's the opposition? Well, it was Barcelona. What about Middlesbrough and Fabrizio Ravinelli? What about his debut, he joined from Juventus. Um, this was back in 1996. Um, they were playing your Liverpool 
Kate and he scored a hat trick on his debut. It was like, wow, we've signed this guy for £7 million and he's pretty much made up for every single penny in this one match. So yes, scoring a hat-trick against Liverpool is a pretty incredible thing to do, uh, certainly for Middlesbrough and for the white feather himself, um, giving us all hope that there was a bright future ahead on Teesside. Here's some Liverpool good news, because I feel like we might have been um, a little bit skewed so far. So uh, they are the first English team to complete the treble and they did it in 1983-1984. We're talking about the first division title. They beat Roma in the European Cup and they also lifted the League Cup after beating Everton. Yes, yes, that one must hurt for them. Well, I'm glad that that one counts in your definition of doubles and trebles. Um, I mean, the more blatant ones, um, Alex Ferguson becoming the first ever manager to win three successive league titles. So um, this is a treble of the 1998-99 season, 99-2000, then 2000-2001. And they didn't do this once, Manchester United. They did it twice. They did it in 2006-7, 7-8, and then 8-9. And that was after a title absence of three seasons. So yeah. we've got a lot of trebles going on there. It was also when Ronaldo emerged in the side, wasn't it, the last one? Well, you've obviously got Celtic as well. We've just got to give them a bit of a mention. I'm not going to run through their quadruple treble because there's just far too much to talk about. Yes, I know that Rangers had obviously dropped out of the league and then they were back. And you could argue that the Scottish Premiership isn't as competitive as um, some of the other leagues, but it's still a feat nonetheless. It's still an achievement, yeah. And to then go and, of course, uh, make sure that you defend that and defend it and defend it. There's a lot of pressure there. So, yeah, big up Celtic. What about... Um, we know that a hat-trick, obviously, is every footballer's dream. As a father who had played football, what about when you have a little hat-trick of your own? What about when you have triplets? And what about when your triplets grow up and they all sign for professional teams <laughs> and they all do it on within <laughs> the same week? Yes, that's right. Um, Cameron, Mary and Georgia Crooks, all 17, following the footsteps of their ex-footballer dad, have all signed professional contracts with clubs. So Cameron is the eldest by three minutes. There's a little treble there for you. Oh. He's signed for championship side Partick Thistle. So the next one down is sister Mary. And she is in the first team squad at Scottish Women's Premier League two side Queen's Park. And then the youngest, Georgia, well, she plays in the SWPL top flight at Motherwell. This was very memorable for a couple of reasons. It shone a light on, on another treble. Uh, if you remember in 1819, just a couple of seasons ago, when Manchester City last were the last team to win the Premier League, the FA Cup and the League Cup, which was all three domestic trophies, you may recall in the press conference with Pep that a journalist put it to him you know you're the first team to do all three domestic trophies and he corrected the journalist and said actually Arsenal ladies did the domestic yes. treble oh, in 2006-7 it was great wasn't it and yeah. also they added the Champions League trophy as well <laughs> uh, which I thought was really nice of him to shine a light on the women's game okay all right we're going to move on to some any other business Okay. 
Okay, any other business, the smaller stories from the week that may have gone under the radar, who wants to get us started? Definitely not under the radar. So um, (laughs) this one will be on most people's radars, but um, certainly is one of the talking points, I think, of the last seven days. In fact, it was pretty recently to us recording this. Referee Darren Drysdale, um, he lost his composure, didn't he? Locked heads with Alan Judge, Ipswich Town player. This was in the League One match with Northampton. And I actually agree with Paul Lambert that I think if it was the other way around, a player could be looking at something like a six-month ban for for putting head to a to a referee on the other way around. But he has been charged with improper conduct. He has issued an apology. I also feel like at the other end of the scale, we were talking last week about referees, and and I feel we should be protecting referees more. But this was a case which didn't help. Yes, Mike Dean back in action this this weekend, by the way. Um, Okay, Hayley, what have you got? So we know about these big names who are putting their money behind some of the big clubs in football out in the United States. We've obviously had uh, Ryan Reynolds and McLellanini, whose name we still can't pronounce, <laughs> investing in 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 you know clubs over here. But what about investing in women's football over in the States? We've obviously seen quite a few big names throw their weight behind clubs. And what about these two names, Clinton and Bush? But it's <laughs> Chelsea Clinton and Jenna Bush Hager, daughters, of course, of former US presidents. They've got a lot in common and they both love their sport and their football. And they've actually joined up as well with Olympic gymnast Dominique Dawes and former US World Cup goalkeeper Brianna Scurry. Um, and they've invested um, with ownership stakes in the club, um, which I think is pretty amazing. Mm. Well, I've been engrossed in the Australian Open this week, a bit of tennis. And in the semi-finals, we saw football club owner versus football club owner. How did that happen? Well, Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams in those semi-finals. Osaka has an ownership stake in North Carolina courage of the NWSL. And Serena Williams is one of a group of owners of new LA team Angel City FC. I love that. Team owner versus team owner. Who's next? Uh, we have to, whilst we're on the theme uh, of the women's mm. game, we have to bring up Sabutio because they've launched oh, yeah. the first yeah. ever women's set. Love this. And it's based on the Lionesses. Um, I used to love Sabutio for a little a little period when I was younger. I used to play with my I cousin. I still have a Sabutio oh, set. Do here, you? By do the way, you? Guys. Yeah, I do. Yeah, cool. I do. I'd love a Lionesses one. I think I think that's really good. Really, Shout really good. Shout out to the PR. We'd love one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Marcus Rashford, he's going to grace the front cover of Time magazine's March Mm. edition after being named among the next 100 most influential people. This is, of course, all to do with him campaigning the government for free school meals and a help to end food poverty. He's going to be following in the footsteps of sporting royalty such as Lionel Messi, LeBron James and Roger Federer by gracing the cover. What about this one about people doing anything to become a professional footballer? I found this in the Daily Mail. You might have obviously seen it. Um, But there's a guy who tricked big clubs in Europe, including a Champions League team, to give him a chance because he sent them a fake CV. That's right. He had been playing football, but way, 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 way low down in the amateur leagues. But he'd copied and pasted his name into published top flight match reports. He was actually offered a deal by Champions League side CSK Sophia. He had trials apparently at Bournemouth, Norwich and Swindon. Um, he One of the, the, the bullet point headlines in the Daily Mail, he was banned from playing football by his father as he was so bad. Um, <laughs> due to his lack of ability. <laughs> due, yep. And his dad had said... Um, 
you were so bad. You were so lazy. I don't want to see you anymore on a football pitch. Um, oh, it's, that's it's, harsh. Yeah, I know. I feel, that, I feel sorry for him. Um, only, he, go on. Yeah, he only ever played in his garden, but never gave up his dream of playing professional football. So much so that he he sent a letter. There's there's a published letter as well that he's you can find online um, with with the Arsenal crest on it, um, and. Arsene Wenger's secretary had had written back about him having a trial at Arsenal. Saying basically no, I think, from what I can read. Incredible, really. Um, A final one from me. Um, Just a quick plug for uh, an article in The Athletic that you might like, Lindsay. It's on Pedro Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we do with all athletic articles, we always learn some new stuff, particularly stuff that we like here on the show, which is a bit, you know, oddball. Um, And we learn that Pedro Neto could have been a roller hockey star. Didn't even know that there was such a thing. Um, And he often gets badgered by his mum for not scoring enough. So good bit of insight there. uh, The piece on Pedro Neto up on The Athletic. Okay, well, unless anyone else has got anything else, I will call time on this show. Lindsay, tell us how people can get in touch via socials. They can go to at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. Also do the same on Instagram. We are not on Snapchat or TikTok. Um, our social media <laughs> yeah. team yeah, might be listening to this thinking, please don't say we're going to be doing those two. Um, but no, not at the moment. I have had a few messages about that. It's all about Instagram these days. So, I mean, if Roy Keane's on Instagram, that is where it's at. That's all I'm saying. It's the only place you need to be to find us on Instagram. Like and comment on every single one of our pictures. We have articles, of course, online. And you can review us as well, can't you? You simply go and tell us how amazing we are. Click on the five stars, which is the only option that we accept. Yes, absolutely. And thank you very much if you've left no a refund. review for us in the past. Uh, we will read them out if we get them. Um, now, where are you two going to be residing this weekend? Hayley, are you, are you on sports duty? Yeah, I'm a little, I've been a little bit under the weather this week. I'm not feeling great at all. I've got swollen glands. I'm actually just oh. currently laid in bed. That's why I only put my fresh pyjamas on as opposed to actually getting dressed. So I'm not feeling great. Um, but I'm hoping to be back in on Sky Sports News. I'm just doing a, a cheeky little shift on Sunday evening before um, it starts to get busy again for me. I have Friday night football this week. So I'm at Molyneux oh, for Wolves nice. against Leeds. And I can't remember whether it's Ashton Gate that I've been to before or whether it was the Memorial Stadium for Bristol Rovers. I think the likelihood is it probably was Bristol City, but I can confirm this on Saturday when I go again several years later. Yeah, you'll get to see the vaccinations going on at Ashton Gate as well, mm, won't you? Yeah. There we go. Mm. Um, and that game on Friday night will be awesome. I think it could be a really fun, high-scoring, high-tempo affair, couldn't it, at Wolves versus Leeds? Good one to look forward to, Linz. Yeah. Not sure um, about high-scoring for Wolves at the moment. Well, but... yes, I'm sort of willing them on. Um, you're also going to be speaking to me on Times Radio this week as well, Lindsay, uh, yeah. in not too long an amount of time. So I look forward to catching up with you there. Have a great weekend, both of you, and to all our listeners as well. And we'll uh, speak to you next time. Bye. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Offside Rule part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Podcast Network. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.